Section thirty seven of Memoirs of Miss Sidney Biddulph. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Memoirs of Miss Sidney Biddulph by Francis Sheridan. Volume three continued. February the twenty seventh. Having obtained Mr. Warner's consent, I went this day to my brother. He was not at home, but I was introduced to Lady Sarah, for whom I inquired. Poor woman, how she looked! My resentment was disarmed even my contempt subsided and i felt nothing but pity her confusion was so great she knew not how to receive me she curtsied without knowing what to say or how to behave i would not embarrass her too far but taking a chair by her as you favoured me with a message yesterday lady sarah said i in as obliged a tone as i could speak i thought it a sisterly duty to wait on you and sir george i hope my brother is well i long to see him and flatter myself he will forget all former coldness and again be my brother i spoke this long sentence on purpose to give her time to recover herself she rubbed her hand over her forehead i believe to hide the glow that was in her face from my first entrance lord mrs arnold i am so surprised this visit was so unexpected i thought you were in the country her woman you know had been with me the day before i passed this by however i have not been out of town at all madam i was detained by illness i am mighty sorry for it i hope you are quite well recovered pray why did not you let me know you were ill as i had heard nothing from you madam after my first message i was afraid that the mediation you were so kind as to promise me had failed and that my brother's resentment was so great he would not hear of me oh dear that is true indeed it was a sad affair i mentioned you to your brother when he came to town but he was in such a passion i durst not name you to him again she durst not name me observe that my dear poor george whom she governs with despotic sway then probably madam my brother knew not at all my distress i protest i don't know said she you know your brother is very warm and whenever i attempted to speak of you he always stopped me short so i don't know how it was but i never could get to tell him your situation i should think i had great reason to resent my brother's cruelty madam said i if he had known those particulars of which my maid informed you but since he did not i will not reproach him neither will i accuse your ladyship of unkindness in concealing them from him my sufferings are thank god at an end and i am now come to offer you and sir george my sisterly love i hope he will not refuse me his love in return i have nothing else now to ask for she blushed again and seemed in great confusion you are very good mrs arnold we must forget and forgive shall i not be permitted to see my brother madam by the message i received from you i was in hopes you had prevailed on him the poor woman was now struck dumb she felt for her snuff-box and would not find it in her pocket but got up to look for it to gain a little time rummaged her toilet and at last took it out of her pocket 
offered me a pinch of snuff, then sat down again. "'Why, that message to tell you the truth,' said she, forcing a conscious, silly smile, "'your brother knew nothing of. But not having heard from you in so long a time, I was resolved to inquire after you, and was determined myself, out of my own pin-money, to offer you what I could spare, till I could get Sir George in better temper.' but i made use of his name because i thought you would more readily accept of anything from him than from me your brother thought you were actually in the country try till we were surprised with the account of the wonderful fortune that has come to you lately then you had heard of it madam interrupted i before you sent to me an untoward question my dear it plunged her again in the mud and she flounced and floundered to get out, which only sunk her the deeper. "'We had heard a strange flying report,' said she, "'of which I did not believe a word, and therefore sent Holmes,' this is her woman's name, "'to you to offer you my service.' I was not ill-natured enough, my Cecilia, to persist in embarrassing this mean woman any farther though the insincerity of her whole behaviour and the low falsities she had recourse to very well deserved reproof i was glad to find my brother was not so culpable as he had at first appeared for i could easily discover from the whole tenor of her discourse she was so far from giving him any intimation of my distress that she had prevented him from inquiring after me by telling him that i was gone out of town probably too with some aggravating circumstances either of a pretended neglect on my side towards them both or perhaps some other falsehood still more injurious it was very apparent that she had sent her maid only as a spy and by way of passport with a sham offer of kindness of which she knew i stood not in need and she depended on my pride and resentment so justly provoked for my never coming to any explanation either with her or my brother no wonder then she was confounded at the sight of me and the more so as she apprehended i might reproach my brother who could so well excuse himself by pleading ignorance of my situation and her conduct must then appear so despicable to her husband that hardy as she is she would be at a loss to justify it all this being very obvious to me i determined to make her easy at once i shall think no more of what is past lady sarah said i i only wish to be on terms of friendship with my brother and you and since he knows not of the message you sent to me i will not mention it to him nor anything else that can recall past unkindness i hope this visit will be taken as it is meant out of pure affection and that you madam will be so kind as to make my peace with my brother who i am very sorry i was under a necessity of disobliging but as i never did offend him and i am sure never should but in that one instance wherein i was so much more nearly interested than himself i hope he will think no more of it but restore me to a share of his love which is all that is now wanting to my happiness this declaration as i intended it should entirely restored lady sarah's tranquillity 
her countenance brightened up i'll take upon me to answer for sir george said she that he shall restore you to his affection i shall insist upon a general act of oblivion being passed on his side and i beg sister on your part that you may not by reproaching your brother revive the memory of your past coldness the weakest people are often very cunning this caution of lady sarah's artfully enough introduced conveyed an obvious meaning to me very different from her pretended reason she was afraid of an eclairissement i promised her i should meet my brother whenever he would permit me as if nothing had ever happened to disturb our friendship see my dear how this woman who durst not name me when i was poor took upon her now to make her husband whose anger had so much intimidated her subscribe entirely to her opinion but i was now become an object of attention a finer house and a finer equipage than her ladyship's gave me an indisputable title to that regard to which as a sister and in distress i had not the least claim she now ventured to ask me some particulars relating to the very extraordinary change in my fortune i satisfied her minutely not without mentioning the cause of mr warner's having made me the sole object of his bounty poor lady sarah could not conceal her vexation at the thought of what she had lost by her ill-timed pride and parsimony a strange whimsical old mortal she called him to come upon them so abruptly and in such a scandalous garb that sir george was quite ashamed of him i am glad however mrs arnold that he has made you the better for him i hope he will continue his fondness but such odd humourists are not to be depended on don't tell him however what i say i should be glad to show him any civility in my power for his kindness to you i took my leave of her ladyship with a cordial invitation to come and see me which she said she would not fail to do mr warner called on me for a few minutes in the evening to know the result of my visit as i had told him i intended to make it i related everything that had passed between lady sarah and me he enjoyed her confusion as i described it with a triumphant satisfaction which nothing but a very strong resentment could have excited in so good-natured a man as he really seems to be he has added to my store of china to-day of which i have already an abundance a pair of most magnificent jars above four feet high which he values at a hundred and fifty pounds these with an entire service of the finest nankin china and a most beautiful persian carpet i have set apart as a present for lady v and shall send them to her the first opportunity mr warner very much approves of my design as he knows the obligations i have to her i have also got him to bespeak a set of jewels to the amount of fifteen hundred pounds with which i intend to present mrs falkland this sum will not exceed my debt to mr falkland if his agreement with pivet stands in force for the term prescribed mr warner who mightily loves to be employed has undertaken to get these jewels made up for me in the most elegant taste 
the man's generosity is as inexhaustible as his riches i fancy he is still some way concerned in trade though he does not tell me so these jars he said he had just received by the arrival of an east india ship and i understand that his former dealings were extremely extensive all over the world he said where there was commerce he put in for his share february the twenty ninth lady sarah has returned my visit she was not slow you see in her ceremony so obliging so polite everything praised and admired and sister at every second word and the children caressed arnold's children what a fine thing it is my dear to be independent i showed her all my house but not with ostentation i thought it would have looked affected not to have recommended so much wealth and elegance to her notice my sideboard she says is absolutely the handsomest she ever saw indeed both for workmanship and richness it does surpass any i have seen she told me she had talked to my brother and that though he still resented my obstinacy as he called it yet as i have made such advances towards a reconciliation he was very ready to meet me and desired everything might be forgotten on my side as it should be on his he would have come to see me added lady sarah as he does not choose to meet mr warner he would rather that the first interview between you were at his own house i told her ladyship i would breakfast with her the next morning and we parted upon wonderful courteous term february thirtieth just returned from my brother's sir george received me with open arms and i returned the embrace with the utmost cordiality of affection surely my dear there is something wonderfully powerful in the natural affections sir george spite of his resentment his turbulence and the threats denounced against me could not at sight of me after an absence of so many months resist the first impulse of his heart in giving me strong tokens of brotherly love though probably had he not seen me the latent tenderness might have lain for ever dormant in his heart i entered immediately on the topic of my extraordinary acquisition as i was determined not to lead to a subject which might bring on the explanations so much dreaded by lady sarah and i could observe that my brother avoided anything tending that way as much as i did he congratulated me heartily on my good fortune but said between jest and earnest that if he could have divined his cousin warner had come to him to make experiments he should have taken care to have treated him better but i don't know how it was said he he came in an evil hour and i was in an ill humour lady sarah kept up the conversation with a great deal of vivacity always taking care to keep us clear of the rock she was afraid of till a lady with whom she was engaged to go to an auction called to take her up sir george would fain have detained me but she insisted on my going with her to have my judgment she said on the things she intended to buy it appeared to me that she did not choose to leave my brother and me together for fear mutual confidence in the fullness of our hearts might have brought her disingenuous proceedings to light 
but cunning people often overact their parts she was so extremely pressing that my brother could not but take notice of it i acquiesced to avoid giving her uneasiness having first engaged my brother to dine with me on friday lady sarah and he both consented but premised that mr warner was not to be of the party this i ventured to promise as i was resolved if mr warner invited himself which is his usual way to put him off by fairly telling him the truth and trusting to his good nature for the consequence march the second after the trivial incidents of these two last days my cecilia now hasten to more interesting particulars but first a word or two of my cousin warner i had not seen him since the day that my brother and i met till this morning when he called to ask me how i did and to know how the puppy george as he calls him had behaved to me after having satisfied him in this inquiry in a way the most favourable i could for my brother i told him that as i had really found both him and his lady extremely penitent and mortified i had asked them to dine with me that day i am glad of it said he very quick i'll be here to snouch them dear sir said i for heaven's sake have a little compassion you cannot conceive how humbled they are they dare not look you in the face and it was one of their conditions with me before they would consent to come that they should not see you ha ho said he exultingly have they changed their note well i will not distress you so far in your own house as to mortify them with my company at dinner but if i should take it in my head to drop in in the afternoon you must not take it amiss i only want to see them look a little like fools i could not venture to oppose him in this but resolved to make it as easy as possible by preparing my brother and sister for his visit i told him that would do extremely well and he went away rejoicing at the thoughts of his intended triumph mr warner had but just left me when i was surprised with a message that sir george was below i went down to him directly and seeing him in his morning dress imagined that something had happened which prevented their dining with me and he called to excuse himself but he undeceived me presently as i had not an opportunity said he of asking you any questions the other day and shall be prevented probably in the same manner this day i am come to have an hour's chat with you before dinner and first pray inform me sydney where you have lived ever since my mother's death and how it came to pass that in all this time you never took any notice of either lady sarah or me as to your first question brother it is easily answered i have never been out of london for the rest let us avoid all retrospection which can now answer no end to either of us you surprise me said he i understood you had been in the country lady sarah was told you were gone to lady v she was misinformed i replied what was the meaning then said he that you never called or sent to her she had no resentment to you though i had dear sir george ask me no more questions i thought it had been premised that we were not to talk of the past i see sydney 
answered he, there is something you have no mind to explain. You know I love and respect my wife, and that I cannot easily be brought to take anything ill of her. But she was so extremely earnest with me not to ask you any questions, that it made me suspect there was something she had in mind to conceal from me. What confirms me in this opinion is that I know you are ingenuous and open to conviction. You would have made me some apology for a neglect both of me and Lady Sarah, which you could not but suppose offended me, if you had not looked upon yourself as by much the most injured person. You urge me very home, brother. I thought I was injured when you disclaimed all relationship to me. If I did not comply in a certain particular, which I was not at liberty to do. I was very angry with you, said he, but should not have carried my resentment any lengths after my mother's death, if you had made any concession or desired to throw yourself under my protection, instead of a stranger's, for Lady V comparatively is one. I could not suppose you were in immediate want of my assistance, as I understood my mother's private purse was not inconsiderable, and to tell you the truth, I was resolved, till you did condescend to inform me of your situation, not to give myself any pain about you. I can only tell you in two words, Sir George, that you have been extremely misled in regard to me. I wish not to revive so disagreeable a subject. Pray say no more of it. But one word more, said he, just for my own satisfaction, and then I have done. Was Lady Sarah made acquainted with your circumstances? You must have lived in miserable obscurity to be so long in London without my knowledge. You love and respect your wife, brother. You must not take anything ill of her. I am answered, he replied. He walked about the room, and I could see he was ashamed and affected. "'You will make me very unhappy, Sir George,' said I, "'if you resent anything on my account to your lady. She did not think, perhaps, that things were quite so bad with me as they really were. But if she heard—which, by the way, I knew was an invention of her own—that my mother left anything behind her, she was deceived. There really was nothing.' But let us call another subject. When did you hear from Mr. Falkland? It is some time since I have had a letter from his lady. His lady, he repeated, and stamping with his foot, cursed the hour which gave her that title. Dear Sir George, you shock me. How can you be so uncharitable, so unchristian? If you knew her as well as I do, said he, and shook his head. "'You are so strong in your indignation against her,' I replied, "'that you almost make me suspect that you do know more of her than I do. "'Her weakness, in regard to Mr. Falkland, accepted, "'I could never entertain an ill thought of her, "'but you have raised a curiosity which, though I tremble to have it gratified, "'yet I must beg you to speak out.' "'Do not think me malicious, Sidney,' said he, a woman's reputation is too sacred a thing to be trifled with. If her weakness, as you call it, had been confined to Mr. Falkland, hers should be so with me. 
but i cannot think with temper on the sacrifice that noble fellow has been forced to make to caprice dear brother explain yourself you terrify me my heat on this occasion he answered would be unjustifiable if i had not proof of what i say miss birchall for i will not call her by my friend's name is that monster a female libertine a rake in the worst sense of the word monstrous cried i your prejudice makes you believe every cruel tale you may have heard heard he interrupted with an indignant smile the devil's in it if i have not more than hearsay for my knowledge lord brother you make me shudder what do you mean he replied you will not believe me perhaps when i tell you that i am as much obliged to miss birchall's favour as mr falkland was if sir george had plunged a dagger in my heart i could not have felt a sharper pang he saw me struck with amazement and grief i knew it would shock you said he but you extorted the secret from me for a secret it has and ever should have remained but in my own justification you compelled me to disclose it you know said he that from the first i never considered falkland's engagement to her as a serious one nor in any shape binding this judgment i formed without knowing anything of the woman but from falkland's own representation of the fact though to say the truth he always spoke of her with more tenderness than she deserved and imputing her frailty to her love of him was as most men are apt to do on such occasions disposed to judge favourably of her the first time i saw her was at sydney castle that time when my mother invited her and when you may remember i went down there in compliment to my mother i own i thought her extremely agreeable which was alone sufficient to make me a little more than barely polite but my mother's extraordinary attachment to her engaged me to go still further and to oblige her i was more than ordinarily attentive to please miss birchall when i assure you upon my honour that i had no farther views i believe you will not doubt my veracity but whether miss birchall mistook my civilities for fondness or whether as i rather believe her natural disposition was so loose that every man she saw lighted up a flame in her heart i know not but certain it was she made me such advances that i must have been extremely stupid not to have understood her and absolutely frozen to have repelled her my good mother's unsuspecting temper permitted us too many opportunities and the light ones of your sex do not easily forgive the neglect of those in short miss birchall yielded to the impetuosity of her wishes and i followed her lead more through vacancy and a want of better employment than out of inclination i was very glad when she was recalled home for i was heartily wearied of her the day before she left sydney castle when we were alone she said to me i have too great a reliance on your honour to suppose you capable of enduring my reputation by ever divulging what has passed between us i am easy therefore on that head 
but there is one circumstance on which you must give me the most solemn promise that is in your power to make, without which I shall be the most unhappy creature in the world. I know there is friendship between you and Mr. Falkland, and I am not ignorant that you men, in your unreserved moments of confidence, do not scruple to disclose such secrets as I have trusted you with. I do not fear your imprudence with regard to any one else, but it is of the utmost importance to me that he, in particular, should never know what my tenderness for you has led me into. You know I have a son by him. He has hitherto provided liberally for the child's maintenance, and to let you into a secret which nobody besides must know. I myself am indebted to him for the principal part of my support, though he, as well as the rest of the world, believe that I have a fortune. Now, though I do not entertain the least hope, nor indeed wish, ever to be Mr. Falkland's wife, yet would it be of terrible consequence to me to forfeit his regard, which you may naturally suppose would be the case if he were to come to the knowledge of what has happened. He has given me to understand by his housekeeper that when he comes to England he will provide for me. The woman hinted something like a design of his making a handsome establishment for any worthy man of whom I shall make choice, insinuating at the same time that this depended on my conduct. I have no thoughts of marrying, but as mine and my child's future welfare must be chiefly owing to Mr. Falkland, you see the necessity there is for my preserving his good opinion. For this reason, then, my dear Sir George, you must swear to me that you will never betray me to him. The reasons were so plausible and the request so natural that I made no scruple of giving her a solemn oath to preserve the secret inviolable from Falkland's knowledge, for so she herself worded the promise she urged me to make. In regard to any one else, she said she was satisfied all assurances were needless. End of section thirty seven.